You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you are joining me for episode number 261 of the Blended Family Podcast. And today I'm bringing you a really fun guest, the host of the Biddy Bedtime Stories. And I actually had a lot of fun doing this interview. He's, he's just a great guest and it's a lighter show and I think you're really going to enjoy it and it's for kids and adults alike. So get ready for that. I'm gonna make this intro really short. I've had a really tough week this week. We've had some challenges, some kid drama or teenage drama, I guess you could call it. Um, and then I had an MRI which Turns out the anticipation was worse than the actual test, but mentally I was so worried about it because I knew I was gonna have to get an injection into my hip, which is my source of pain. So, um, but got it done, got through it, waiting for the results, but I'm just exhausted from everything. And I know a lot of other people are exhausted too. Must be something in the air. I did want to make a quick apology about something that I said in last week's show. I was talking about the fact that my husband and I had gotten to escape to a hotel. And I was not trying to be insensitive in case that did offend anybody. You know, sometimes I forget that the whole world is on lockdown in some places still because Florida, where I'm at, we never really were. Just for maybe about 30 days, there was kind of a partial lockdown and then everything was open and we've never even had mask mandates although you do wear masks when you go to the stores and things like this but we've never been mask mandated in many parts of Florida especially where I am and so sometimes I forget because here where we're living it doesn't feel like maybe some other places um, it's probably just a little bit more normalized than where some of you are and so anyway I just wanted to apologize if that came off as being insensitive I certainly did not mean it um, at all and I know that some people don't have the option of getting to a hotel right now because hotels are closed so my apologies I definitely did not mean anything by that um, last week also we spoke to Rosa Garcia who's a friend of mine and we talked about the culture differences in her blended family as well as what it was like to have a big blended family getting together throughout COVID and throughout actually the beginning um, of this pandemic so that was last week next week I'm not entirely sure if I'm having a show or not I know it's Easter here um, happy Easter for those of you who do celebrate that but next week there may or may not be a show it just kind of depends on how this week goes for me like I said it's been a rough Last week, hopefully this week ahead, fares better for us. So I'm going to go have a restful weekend now. I hope that you enjoy this episode with David from Biddy Bedtime Stories right after an ad from this week's sponsor. Love you guys. Step parenting can be so hard. You know, I always say that step parents have the most challenging role in the blended family. If you're a step parent, I bet you know exactly what I mean. One of the biggest hurdles is knowing when to step in and when to step back. Finding our footing, our place in the family can be so overwhelming 
and often leads to so much frustration. Lori and David Sims learned a different approach worked for them, and they formed the Nacho Kids Academy as a way to share what they learned over the years, and their tools and resources have helped so many families. To learn more about the Academy and its creators, go back and listen to an interview when they were on this podcast at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash 195. That is episode 195. When you become a member of the Academy, you're going to get 24 video courses in the course library with a new one added each month, a minimum of two group Q&A coaching calls each month, an anonymous community where David and Lori are both active daily, one-on-one coaching discount packages, a private journaling feature, weekly nacho newsletter, and month-long challenges. And if you use my promo code BFP, you'll receive $20 off your first month, so you have nothing to lose. Head on over to nachokidsacademy.com today and use promo code BFP. Biddy Bedtime Stories is the internet's only sitcom-style podcast for kids, pure and simple. There's nothing else like it. The humor is tailored for both the kids and the grown-ups. Think of it as a joint spinoff of Mr. Rogers and The Office with a hint of Bugs Bunny thrown in for good measure. David is a 10-year veteran podcaster with his family-focused Biddy Stories podcast. He hails from Minnesota and is an elementary school music teacher, a choir director, a husband and a father to three outstanding children. And his podcast mission is to help families understand that if you go to sleep laughing, you'll wake up smiling. And I love that so much. Welcome to the show, David. Well, thank you, Melissa. Thank you. It's good to be on. And it's, uh, I'll say it's a pleasure to meet your listeners right now. Yeah, it's great to have you here. You know, I grew up reading lots of books, but to my dismay, not one of my four children likes to read. Mm. We're in the world of technology now, and it's rapidly advancing, and that's great in so many ways, but it can also be really detrimental to our young ones. Instead of reading, they prefer videos and gaming. David, I love what you do because you've merged them together. You've taken technology and story time, and you put them together so that Mm -hmm. kids are digesting stories, but in a way that's more in line with their form of entertainment. So it just works better. So I'm so excited for us to have this conversation and hopefully introduce more families to the work that you do. Uh, Before we get started in that, I just want to give you an opportunity to just have the listeners know a little bit more about you and who you are. Well, thank you. I'll tell you what, uh, just to, to dovetail out of what you said with regards to story time, and reading. Uh, it's what I've always found it to be is exercising the imagination, you know, exploring what it means for young people, this generation. I don't mean to knock the young generation, this, the millennials uh, and the Gen Zers and whoever comes after that. Uh, but it's exercising the imagination, getting your brain the, the, the chance to explore creating something that doesn't exist. And even if it's just listening to stories or listening to someone read, that's a part of our brain that is so delicious and so rich that that's what we want our kids to have when they read is the ability to do that. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's merging technology with an ability and an opportunity to create something imaginary and yet something familiar. But I'll get into that a little later on. Uh, myself, like you said, I am a teacher. I am a music teacher. 
uh, in a, it's not a small school, but we are a K-12 school up here in Minnesota. And I literally go from teaching kindergarten music to high school choir in three minutes during my day. And in some ways it's a jump. And in some ways I'm dealing with the same kind of personalities <laughs> and inability to concentrate and listen. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, I've been doing this for 25 years, podcasting for 10. And as you said, I'm, I'm a dad and a husband and life up here in Minnesota. Well, it's just great. It's cold. Uh, we've been dealing with a lot like everybody else has, but you and I were talking before we started how it's different seems like in every different part of the, of the country with the with COVID. So uh, as an educator, it's been tricky and it's been difficult trying to figure out how to teach music virtually uh, in, from time to time throughout the past six months that we've been here at school. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell right there. Well, that's pretty amazing. And I also think it's so interesting, the difference of teaching the very young to the older kids. That And, and it's funny that you say that sometimes um, there's a lot of similarities there. And I can understand that because we all know uh, how teenagers can act sometimes too. I just did a show on teenagers myself. And so I understand how that is. Mm. Um, what I'd love to know is why you created Biddy Bedtime Stories, because I know you're a music teacher and you've mm -hmm. been doing this education thing for so long. Um, what made you decide to start a podcast? Well, the short of it is I went with a walk with one of my kids one time after a rainstorm, I think 12 years ago. And we came across some ducks walking in the neighborhood and we just started to talk about one of the ducks and my young one gave the duck a name, Biddy. So then that night, while it was bedtime, I just started to talk about the duck. And as I looked around the bed, I saw these stuffed animals. And I just started to add that night to the characters around this duck, Biddy. There was a stuffed bear. There was a, a raccoon. There was a cat. And I just started to give them names. And it was ever since literally that night that these characters have been developed that they live in a tree house was the place I put them in and living with a lumberjack who made the tree house. They live in Minnesota, so it's not too much of a stretch to have a lumberjack. But I've always had an interest in audio recording and video recording for that matter, too. But when I was even five, six years old, my parents bought one of those little Panasonic cassette recorders. And I was so fascinated just making uh, little recordings, short stories, using my voice to sound like other people and other characters. And when finally podcasting became uh, even a, a word 12, 15 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, when I started this, I was like, you know, I wonder if there's a way for me to take what I used to love to do when I was younger and turn it into a podcast. And this was when podcasting was effectively in its infancy 10 years ago. Uh, it, it, and so there were a few kids' podcasts out there, not as much as you – know, there's, a, there's a plenty of options out there for people right now where kids' programming is concerned. Apple just created, and I have to look into this, a, a, a portal of sorts specifically directed towards kids in podcasting. So it really is starting to take a foothold, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. I love doing it. And I'm as much a fan of listening to the stories. I don't mean to sound egotistical, but I do love listening to the podcast. I love listening to the stories. It just 
to me, they're fun. To my kids, they're fun. And to the people who I get emails from, they also enjoyed listening to them. Yeah, I bet your kids think it's so super cool. And as well as your students, do your students all know about it? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> None. Really? I, I do that on purpose. There's only been one family in 10 years that ever knew about it. And I'm okay with it. I think it might cross lines like, oh, you've got a captive audience there. You know, you could grow your audience, just tell your kids about them at school. I avoid it. I also don't want to feel so self-conscious, mm. you know. It's just, yeah, I'm behind the curtain. I don't mind. Well, that don't. I understand that because I know, we all know how kids are and especially sometimes to their teachers. So we don't need to give them uh, anything to add to that. So I, I totally get that. It's interesting. Um, but, well, you've been a teacher for 25 years. It's a long time working with kids. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to know even how that's just influenced your work over the years, because it definitely, I know you have kids of your own, but there's nothing like having a giant sample of kids to really wow. get a good idea from. So tell, tell us about that. You know, it is true because young, you know, there was the Art Linkletter show and then the Bill Cosby show, kids say the darndest things. And this is true. It happens in school almost every day. They'll say something. And, and in my mind, I'll write it down. I say, that's an idea for a story right there. And, and it, it's, it's the, also the ability to understand kids' humor and where kids are at. I had this one young guy come up to me just yesterday. And I've never bit on a joke like this. He said, he said guess what? There's somebody, there's a kid, there's somebody in this school who's really an owl. And I looked at him and I went, who? And then he looked at me. <laughs> I mean, right there, that's going to be the, and I can get that into a story just right there. And this kind of thing happens all the time, all the time. And, and, and I love it. It's dad humor. It's kid humor. You know, it's, it's just a way to make kids feel like they have humor that relates to them. That isn't necessarily, I don't know, too grown up. But yet it, it also, I also target the grownups too. I give them a little humor as well so that maybe when they're listening, they've got something to enjoy as well as the kids. And you write all these stories yourself, right? Well, writing is a loose word. Mm. Uh, there's no script. Okay. I have a punchline. I know where I'm going. And I've done this long enough that I know how to get there. So the writing of it is kind of as I go. Wow. That is really, really cool. So... If I had to ask you, what are the changes that you've seen in kids over the years? Because, you know, we're, we're living in some different times now. I know that things have dramatically changed from the time mm -hmm. when we were young. It's just not the same world at all. And I'm almost terrified to think of what it's going to be like for our grandchildren. But I've seen these rapid changes, especially in the last 10 years, I would say. And so I'd like to know if you've seen that, too, because you, you're working with them every day. Yeah, literally. Every well, when I say literally, I when I mentioned that it was a K twelve school, I've also been able to see kids grow up, mm. and I've seen what they become after whatever they were like as a seven year old, as an eight year old. I can see who they become as young adults when they are in junior, when they're juniors and seniors in in high school, and when you ask that question, and, and I think it's an interesting question for people who don't know what happens to these kids when they get older. Our own kids, we do. Our own kids. But one of the things that I've noticed 
when I started teaching 25 years ago, it was there was a sort of, well, it was certainly the first, the first times that that education, and I'm, maybe I'm just talking in Minnesota here, but education was was taking responsibility for noticing when kids were in either a, uh, you could say, an abusive situation, or were in something that was unhealthy. And that we as educators had a, a, a semi-responsibility in identifying it, not following through with it, but notifying people who would be able to take handle of the situation. You know, as educators, we can't do that. But there are people, counselors who are in place, uh, county counselors and all of that. But 25 years ago, when this started to happen, um, what we're seeing now I think, and this might be a contentious opinion, I don't think it's the kids. If we see kids changing, if a grown-up looks at a young one and says kids these days, I don't think it's the kids these days. I think there's always been, quote, kids these days. We as grown-ups are just not kids any longer. And so when we look back on youth, we look at it as if there's something wrong with it. But honestly... I think our culture is changing in a way that is allowing kids to be more themselves. I mean, what's what has changed since 1950? Okay, no more paddles in the school, all right? Uh, kids actually get to skip down the hallway maybe, you know? And that's the kind of thing from one extreme to the other that reveals that we are in a sense letting kids be kids, which to me is incredibly important. Um, Dick Gregory was a comedian back in the seventies and somebody asked him, so the, they asked him, so we had the civil rights movement of the sixties, women's liberation of the seventies. What part of society is next to be quote liberated? And he said, without flinch children, mm -hmm. children need to have their rights emancipated because we've been too hard on them. And I think to some that's a little too risky. But what we're really getting down to here is that kids need to be both protected and they need to be themselves. I love that answer so much because it was very unexpected. You know, I was expecting you to say, oh, the changes over the years, the kids got maybe more this or more that or worse in any way. Or because, I, you know, we look around and we see how the world um, has become pretty harsh in a lot of ways. But I never looked at it the way you look at it, which is, you know, through our eyes, yes, it is like that. But through th their eyes, it's not. And I love that you put a positive spin on that and talked about the good changes that you've yeah. seen in kids over the years. Um, I yeah. think that that was really amazing. Yeah. It was the Dick Craig, it was the Dick Gregory thing that I heard. And then I saw, uh, there was a guy, I'll be brief about this. There was a gentleman who was at one of our teacher in services and he put up a slide at the very beginning of his discussion and without identifying who it was, it was basically saying kids these days, they don't respect their elders. They're, they're, you know, just go on and on whatever it was, it's obviously sounded like someone who was curmudgeonly and opinionated and disapproving of kids. And then he revealed who said it. And it was Aristotle from Greek, from Greece, thousands of years ago, which said to me, ha, huh, it's not the kids. It's just that when you get to be 60 or whatever, you look at kids that way, <laughs> nothing changes, you know, in, in one sense. 
Oh, that's it's such a great take. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Now you obviously you talked about humor. You like humor. I like humor too. I'm I don't happen to be a very funny person. I always say that to my husband. I know my truth. I'm I'm just not a funny person, but I love when people can sprinkle in humor into things. And I know you do that. And so mm. I would love for you to share uh, why you think it's so important to use humor in your stories. Well, humor is it, humor is healing for certain. Mm. And it's also a, a drawing card. We, uh, it almost seems like it's, it goes without saying, but, but when you look around and you look at it, where humor is placed in our lives and when it's placed, um, and I'll give specific examples compared to what I do with these stories that at night I enjoy watching, um, Stephen Colbert before I go to bed because it gives me a chance to kind of forget the day, laugh a little, and I can't wait to come back and see what he's going to, you know, what, what the humor and what the jokes are going to be the next night. Well, in that specific span of time before bed, I don't think kids have that. There are stories to be read and there are other podcasts that are sort of once upon a time podcasts. But what I enjoy about this is that the humor can be used at night to bring a child into that place before bed where maybe they're like, I don't want to go to bed. Well, I don't so mind going, I don't, I mean, I'm tired at the end of the day. I don't so mind so much going to bed if I know I can watch a little, you know, Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel. So kids get that too. And, uh, and if, if a child can have that at night and with a grown up around, and then they can share that moment and that space right there that I get to be in, is a healing space as well because it, it gives, and I got to imagine, Melissa, I mean, you're, you know, your, your audience is pretty specific and how difficult it can be at nighttime sometimes that if you can bond through humor, then that's something that, uh, that has the potential to, to heal. It has the potential to, to focus, to bring comfort, you know, and I think that that's just an opportunity. Humor is just an opportunity to bring people together. I think that's a shorter answer for what I just said. But at bedtime, it's gold. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I know that we like to watch funny things before we go to bed. And it also does help clear the mind out of any negativity mm -hmm. that's collected there during the day. It helps to eradicate that. And so that's a really good point. And our kids often don't go to bed with humor. They go to bed. Yeah. Um, sometimes, sure, they'll they'll watch some videos or things, but we don't always know then what that is that they're watching. And sometimes Isn't it's gaming. That true? Yeah. And sometimes it's not. I mean, we all know TikTok can be a very fun app to watch, but we all know there's some pretty dark stuff on there as well. And you're not monitoring yeah. that. And that's why I yeah. love what you do. It, it's just a very controlled way to be sure that your child is going to bed on a light note. And I love even that you have parents and children listening together because you're right. If you can share those moments together and you're very right when you say um, sometimes nights are tough in blended families, sometimes nights are tough in any family when you oh, have true. children, but blended families, we do. Sometimes we have the extra challenges of maybe a child wants to be at the other home and they have a hard time settling oh. down. And so this is just 
um, a really wonderful thing. And I know we're talking about bedtime. And so you, you talked about that a little. That's why, why, why do you gear it completely to be listened to at bedtime? I know we talked about the humor piece, but why did you want to create bedtime stories as opposed to just anytime stories? Well, you, you just said it right there, is that there are so many reasons why a child might not want to go to bed. And the subtlety of what you just said, which is they want to be at the other home. I mean, my gosh, you know, that's one slice of all of the emotions a child could be having. Mm -hmm. And especially in a world which to them seems out of their control and which has no relationship to, well, little relationship to them, their concerns, their joys. And their routines. And so with what I do, I really wanted to gear it towards bedtime. And I was I was right to do this because of that moment that kids need. And, and it goes back to what you asked before, you know, with kids during the school day, do I get any, you know, how what do I get from them in terms of how it influences the podcast? For so long I've seen how kids are the next day because of maybe what happened the night before. Mm. You know, your podcast deals with the the blending of two families, but that also means the rending of two families at some point at some point before. And I, I see echoes of it. I see the shadows of it. And it doesn't come out until like two years later that I finally find out that maybe, you know, yeah, there was stuff going on at home. And I do get letters, emails from people that they they rely on it at nighttime when it's when it's as something as simple as they've moved down the hall to a new bedroom and they need that familiarity so they listen to bitty stories mm-hmm. or something tragic happened and they needed that comfort they listened to bitty stories that's great and you've been doing this for 10 years that that is very long in the podcasting community so congratulations on that that's really truly amazing um, I want to know uh, for for the listeners um, number one what are the general ages of the people that biddy stories is geared towards and yeah. how is biddy stories different from other kid focused podcasts well it's the fact that it is a sitcom. And I have a hard time calling it a bedtime stories because I think the impression is at face value, it's once upon a time. But you have to listen to it to understand. I mean, I even have, if, when your listeners, if they go to it, there's that Gilligan's Island, Brady Bunch, Segway music coming out of commercial. You know, it's that sort of vibe to it. I have an intro. I've got uh, jokes in the middle before the beginning before it even starts. And it it literally is an atmosphere of a duck, a bear, a raccoon, a cat, a lumberjack, and from time to time, any of the other characters in a treehouse, in a room, talking to each other, laughing with each other. And it's an experience that is atmospheric, that is imaginative, because you need to imagine these characters that the people who listen they become familiar characters. I just had a person who was a family. The daughter is now driving age, but they listened. They started listening all those years ago. And then just today, she uh, she messaged, messaged with these pictures of these ducks. They're down in Texas. They had ducks show up in their pool and 
hatch eggs and they sent pictures of all of these ducks and they said, look at all these little bitties in our backyard. 10 years, 10 years ago is when they started listening. And it means so much that they still think about those stories back in their childhood that the daughter does, the parents do. And that, that meant so much to me that I would get that just this morning. But when you asked about the different ages, yikes, I'm surprised sometimes. Of course, there's the young kids who can't even type and don't even know their, their alphabets, you know, their letters. But I'm also getting emails from people who are in their 30s, in their 40s. When I started out, there was a lady who was from Greece who was emailing about what the stories were doing for her. So it's anywhere from grown adults to you know kids, obviously. The age range is quite large, and I'm a little amazed by it. I think that it's to be a lot amazed at, and I think that it says a lot about you and your work and what you've created over 10 years, because it's certainly not easy to do. It's a big commitment. Do you, do your episodes come out weekly or what's the schedule? Oof, I wish I was more regular with it, but life is so thick that mm -hmm. I, uh, if I can get one out once a week, that's good. At the beginning of it, I was putting four out a week way back in, in 10 years ago but I can't keep up that pace right now. So it does end up being roughly once a week. I think that's great. I think any more than once a week would be really hard for you. I know, I know that I, I've had trouble sometimes producing one show a week because life does get in the way sometimes. And I think that's um, all podcasters. Yeah. 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 I, I think we can all appreciate though, really the effort that you're put putting forward for these kids. Um, now, what I would love to know is, you know, you've said a couple of the letters that you've gotten, but what is is your response from both kids and adults? Like they, like, how, do you know how many listeners do you have? You have people, obviously, that have been listening for a very long time to you. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say that it's just a pretty fantastic response. Well, the, the people who respond, uh, it, it's when the parents respond, they're responding with gratitude. Because it's, it's something that their kids are gaining that maybe they didn't know existed and they couldn't give them before, but they're grateful for the stories. When it's the kids, <laughs> it's fragmented and it's it's cute. You know, these little emails that will say something very innocent and very cute and saying, hi, Biddy, we love your stories. Heart, 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 heart. Okay. And that's really touching. I mean, I it, it's so it's so cute. And when you you know for yourself when you get response back from listeners it's wind in your sails you know yeah. you just it's energy it's fuel it just keeps you going and it's it's beautiful to have that interaction because podcasting is not dynamic it's basically you record and you put it out there so when it becomes dynamic with with people contacting you it's a joy pure joy yeah, certainly. Now, do you accept topic ideas for your stories? Does anybody ever call in? Because I'm wondering if you have anything about blended families yet. Ah, well, in one sense, a duck, a bear, a raccoon is a blended a, family. <laughs> a blended family, but not in the sense for you know why. I guess right. Yeah. Um, from time to time, I've. I've touched on topics. I don't try to do a very special bitty story where it touches on things, topics that, you know, that are 
that maybe need to be talked about from time to time. But I can definitely see, you know, there would be a place to to have maybe Biddy come back from school and talk about maybe her a friend of hers who was in a new familial situation or talking about something. I could definitely see that because I remember when I was young, you know, you grow up as a young person with an idea and an ideal of what a family is. And then when you see friends whose families are shifting and changing, it it can be confusing and uh, uh, hard to really, I guess, confusing means hard to understand. So I could definitely see something like that talking about what your listeners have dealt with and what experiences they share. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Well, if you ever end up doing that, send it on over and we'll post it and we'll share it so that my listeners can listen. And I hope that everybody is really going to go check out your podcast, of course. Uh, What is one of your favorite episodes that you did, or maybe a listener's favorite, that if someone Mm. is new to your show, they should maybe start with, or is it important to go in order like a sitcom does? No, no, that there is, there's no serialness to the to the podcast, every every episode for the most part. Although I have a, a a second episode that I'm still waiting to finish up from one that I had done earlier about it becoming cold. Uh, no, there's you can jump in anywhere. There's one of my favorite stories is one that was recent, and it was it's story fifty three. Ooh, okay. So I do need to put a caveat on this. You say I've been podcasting for ten years. Yes, two years ago. I accidentally left let my my URL Biddy Bedtime Stories run out. Didn't know, oh. and it was instantly snatched up by an adult website out of Asia. And one of my listeners tapped, you know, said, "Hey, did you see this?" And I'm like, "What?" Because I was I hadn't kept up with the website for a while. And so once that happened. I had to, in a sense, rebrand because I didn't want anybody going to Biddy Bedtime Stories and looking at that. Goodness, no. <laughs> so after rebranding, I just cycled the stories at zero. Okay. Uh, but from the people who, uh, well, I, I do have total catalog of all the old episodes, numbering 563 episodes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so 53, that's the one that I really like because it's a it was a it it really to me it 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 shows how when I do these different voices and they all blend together and I know when you hear and if a listener is hearing me say I do the different voices I'll just give them a sample so mm-hmm. Douglas who is the lumberjack is me just with this regular voice Biddy a little Bugs Bunny ish with that dusk that duck lisp Biddy has a higher voice. And that lisp, like this, like a duck you might imagine having. Mm-hmm. Her friend Bruin, who was a bear, has a lower sounding voice and is kind of like Bill Murray from Caddyshack. <laughs> His voice hits low. Biddy hits high. Wyatt is a raccoon from Boston, which if you're from New York yourself, you're going to say that's a little more New York than it is <laughs> Boston. Okay, and I'm not going to nail it, but anybody who's not from Boston or New York isn't going to call me on it. And then there is a kitty, which is from Quebec, is a French kitty, a little more like Lumiere from uh, the the movie from, uh, what is the movie from? (laughs) Disney, Lumiere. Yeah, uh, Uh, Beauty and the Beast. 
Beast. So you take all four of them, you put them together, and I record them. I layer them as I as I use one of the programs on Apple, and I just I, I they interact with each other quite literally. One comment, they react to the comment, and the story was just so much fun to make, and it really hits on the humor that adults can pick up on. Uh, it, I'll just be a synopsis, very brief synopsis. Biddy is sad that she doesn't actually have toes. And she's jealous that Douglas not only has five toes, but has names for them. His big toe, his middle toe, etc. And so the punchline in the end is she goes and finds things that in the house end with toes. So she can now hold on to them and say, now I have my five toes. Like for example, a tomato. <laughs> the rest of the jokes that go with it. Plus there was some good humor that reached the adults. Never anything lewd or crass or suggestive. The jokes are for the adults are jokes that they could get. For instance, Douglas's toe, Biddy says, is you've got your big hairy toe. And then your second toe, which is longer than your first toe, which is really weird. <laughs> which, you know, I think as adults, we can, you know, yeah. it's a simple little thing like that. So that's episode 53. I love that. I want to go take a listen to it right now. I just think that's amazing. I'm going to actually also share it uh, with my niece up in New York because I think she's going to enjoy it. Um, I really, really encourage the listeners to check out Biddy Bedtime Stories, Biddy Stories. I will post all of David's links in the show notes for you so you can go check it out. You can listen to it with your kids. You can let your kids listen to it. You can feel good about that. As they go to bed at night, they're not doing anything inappropriate on their phone. They're actually listening to a story that's going to have humor and make them go to bed happy with a smile on their face. So David, thank you so much for coming on the show. I love what you do. Please let the listeners know the best way to reach you or contact you if they want to. They can reach me at biddystories at gmail.com. Our website is biddystories.com. And, of course, we're found on iTunes, Stitcher, Audible, iHeart, all those great places. And if you do start listening, give me a holler. If the kids enjoy it, I do say hi to people at the beginning of the episodes, and kids always get a kick out of that. Oh, I bet they do. And I hope that you really continue this work, David, because you're really making a difference. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Melissa. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.